Welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us here on the program. We're here on Sundays, Mondays, Wednesdays, or any day of the week, any time of the day, 24-7, 365, because we're also podcasting and videocasting these programs. I'll tell you where a little later on in the program, but right now, We're going to jump right into our conversation with our uh, very special guest who is joining us uh, all the way from, well, it used to be Hawaii, but now it's Los Angeles. Ezra, oh God, I want to thank you so much for being with us. I am really looking forward to our conversation. Thank you so much, Richard. I'm really looking forward to it, too. The title of the book that you and your husband, Ike, have written, it's a new book. Uh, actually, I guess this one is by you predominantly. Money does <clears throat> grow on trees. The myths we create and live by. I find that so appropriate. Uh, <laughs> mirror, mirror on the wall. Who is the uh, who in this land is the fairest of all? Sounds an awful lot like a fairy tale. But then again, of course, fairness. Uh, being fair uh, has more to do with an appearance in this context, in that context. But also, who is the wealthiest one of all? No, it's it's not Jeff uh, Bezos or uh, Richard Branson. Although I do like his first name, or any of the Elon Musk or whoever else you want to list, I would not consider them necessarily be to be the wealthiest one of the wealthiest people. I would consider myself. Uh, maybe even you, uh, Ezra, and your husband, Ike, because you're not measuring wealth. You're not measuring that by the amount of digits before the decimal point, are you? No, not at all. It's really interesting how little in that sense richness has to do with the actual money amounts we have in the bank. Um I believe true prosperity comes as an inside out job. And I'm one of those people who by following that path was able to manifest, but I didn't, it wasn't first predominantly the money. It was just deciding to feel rich before anything else in my life moved. And the more I could be grateful for things, the more I felt rich, the more I could see how my mind was limiting me from certain things I wanted to experience in life, how both the having or the not having had to do so much with with myself and my thought patterns. That to me was the wow, richness and the treasure out of which much more wealth was born in every direction in the world, whether it was a relationship, whether it was having so much more fun in life, whether it was feeling better about myself or whether it was about money. Well, we've also been sold a bill of goods, um, myths, as, as was just previously mentioned, uh, such as we have less because others have more. Or if we are materialistic, we can't be spiritual. The rich are the root of all evil. Actually, the uh, actual uh, passage uh, from the New Testament is money is the root of all evil. That's, at least that's the quote, but still a myth. Uh, If we are not successful, we are not worthy. 
And uh, only this way works, and money doesn't grow on trees, which I always found funny because money's made of paper. Most money is made of paper, <laughs> and it does grow on trees. I love it. I'm so glad you caught that one. Yeah. <laughs> that was a part of, like, the title, you know. It is actually, really, we do collect it from the trees, like, physically speaking. Nice. We, we, we really do. We really do. Manifesting beliefs. Uh, and uh, um, the universe and so forth. It's what I find fascinating is uh, that uh, you talk, you and your husband talk about uh, beliefs, manifesting, and uh, universe. Um, you have a podcast, uh, Unique. That's Y-O-U-N-I-Q-U-E. You, as in you personal. Uh, unique is the name of the podcast. Um, let's talk a little bit more uh, about this aspect of the myths. Now, I'll, I'll share with you something that I found interesting years ago. Uh, that and this was this was a perspective of mine at the time. I've since modified it. I've often felt that we we have this this dichotomy of philosophies. On the one hand, you had in the late 19th and early 20th centuries. A myriad of people coming from other places around the world through Ellis Island. And the phrase on the tip of their tongue was that this is the land of opportunity. And they took advantage of it, rightly so. And today, many of them have established and continue uh, to um, uh, maintain Major, maybe major corporations, global conglomerates that grew out of just a small little mom and pop store on the corner of who knows where, let's just say in New York City. And um, they took advantage of that. Now, that, that's one perspective. Then there's the other side of that coin or the paradox, the uh, dichotomy where you have uh, a government and you have a particular group of people in a particular party who basically they, uh, <clears throat> they want those who have made these conglomerates who have, are worth billions, they want them to pay a heck of a lot more percentage-wise in taxes to help offset the uh, group of people in this country who don't make a lot of money and are barely eking out a living, so they're going to uh, increase the taxation. So uh, up to a certain point, you're going to be at a much lower tax rate. But if you bump up over the top of that, boom, you're going to be hit. And so then the question is, do I really want to be a millionaire, billionaire, trillionaire? Because... Um, I'm not going to get to keep it all. You know, I mean, I worked hard for this. It's let's just set aside the whole inheritance thing. I worked hard. My family, my ancestors worked hard to build this. And I want to continue this. But the government's going to take it away. So, you know, again, it's like, what's the point? What is the point? So you have those kind of diametrically opposed concepts. And I've, I, you know, and obviously one is an attitude of lack. And the other is an attitude of abundance. Um, do we ignore, in a manner of speaking, 
the 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 latter philosophy, the latter the attitude of lack concept of what's the point? Why should I do this? You know, why should I even strive to be a um, um, a millionaire, a billionaire, and 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 being able to help people with this money or do the things that I'd like to do? You know, so talk yeah. to us a little bit about that. Yeah, well, I mean, definitely, it's not a system that um, predominantly, you know, motivates people to go out there and make more and to be the best they can be and to be even more productive because, yeah, if the more you have, the more someone's interested in taking what you have, you know, on a very regular level, it's not going to be very motivating. But when you look at it from the co-creation perspective, I remember uh, this other teacher, uh, Abraham, uh, when, when some man was complaining about how after every marriage, he's like married three or four different uh, women, uh, each wife is taking 50% away <laughs> mm-hmm. and he's complaining about it. And uh, Abraham says something great and says, you know, well, haven't you made more and more the more they took and took from you? And he's like, well, actually, yeah, I did become richer, (laughs) 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 you know, and, you know, he thinks about it for a second and each one taking kind of like motivated him to kind of, you know, manifest more. So as a system, I don't find it a very fair system. You know, I, I pay a high level of taxation in this country. And sometimes it does make me think because I have the freedom to live anywhere I want like, mm, you know, should I just keep staying in the, in the States? And I don't know if the taxes were to go up, if I would, you know, choose to stay. But I think one really important thing to understand, and it's hard in these times of turmoil that we're going through as a humanity, not just in the U.S., but in the entire world. Mm-hmm. The worst poverty and the worst lack that we can shoot our own selves in the foot with is a, is a kind of a feeling victimized. Feeling the sense of, oh, I'm like this, or I can't make more, it's because of the government, it's because of the taxes, it's because, you know, uh, people are choosing not to work, or whatever, whatever the situation might be. I have found in my life, and I used to be kind of a queen of that victim type of psychology, that once you snap out of it, and you can, you know, develop this inner state of the winner's attitude, where whatever happens to you, you can look at it in two ways you can look at it like okay you know what i'm gonna lose or you know what i'm gonna like win out of this how can i be a winner how can i make the most of this contrast how can i get this horrible thing that's happening to me turn it around and get it to serve me because also contrast when we get limited when we get pushed upon even if it's you know so-called unfairness we have to we we have an opportunity of what we call uh to make a new being choice decide to kind of move above our previous limitations. So that contrast can make you jump like crazy, or if you choose to be a victim and sit and complain and you know feel like, oh, this is happening to me because of you know X, Y, and Z, then we just, you know, keep just complaining and nothing gets any any better. Mm. We're talking with uh, Ezra Ogat, author of Money does grow on trees here on Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and I thank you so much for joining us as we continue our conversation. Um, One of the things that I find so very, very interesting is the conversations that I have with people in regards to 
<clears throat> in regards to this whole uh, conversation about money, but actually I'm going to broaden that, about abundance, about prosperity, about wealth, and I'm going to throw into the mix about happiness. Mm. And many, many people equate uh, accumulation of the aforementioned with happiness. When in fact we have seen time and time again in reality, not just not not in movies and television, but in reality, <laughs> that it doesn't. They are unsatisfied. They are incomplete within themselves. And they usually don't recognize it until they've reached their latter years, which is rather interesting. There's, I'd love your perspective on a story that I remember hearing um, in regards to money and prosperity, abundance. Uh, I'll tell you the story. Um, I could tell you my story as I was growing up in this business back in the early 80s. But this particular story has to do with two gentlemen they get together pretty regularly for meals and they converse and they're good friends and, and they have that camaraderie community, et cetera, et cetera. So they get together for breakfast one Thursday and they're sitting there and having a great time chatting away about whatever it is that they talk about. And the bill comes and um, uh, the uh, one gentleman, we'll call him Bill. Uh, the check comes and Bill picks up the check and he reaches into his pocket and he pulls out exact change, exact amount of the bill of the check and they they leave you know and of course his friend George we'll call him George he's thankful he's, hey thank you so much that's great I had a great time uh, the following week they get together for lunch and then great conversation great meal great food and so forth and the check comes and Bill once again he picks up the tab uh, pulls out of his pocket the exact amount needed and uh, they then, they move on. And then about a week to 10 days later, they get together for a dinner. Same scenario, wonderful meal, wonderful conversation. Just really, really, you know, the whole bonding thing is it's just going well and having a great time. And the check comes. Once again, Bill takes the check, pulls out from his pocket the exact amount. George is just beside himself. He's just perplexed. He says, I don't understand. How is this even possible that, that you know exactly how much it's going to be? Have you got some deal going on with these restaurants that we go to? Is it a secret that I don't know about? Not, no. Well, what the, what's the deal? So, so Bill says, well, let me tell you the story. He says, I found this lamp, and I rubbed this lamp, and this genie came out of the lamp. And he says, you have one wish. One wish. And I thought about it for a long time. says, can I get back to you? Uh, sure, you'll only get one wish, but, you know, you can sure get back to me whenever you'd like. So for about a week, Bill thinks about it and finally comes back to the genie. Okay. Now, of course, he could have wished for a million dollars. He could have wished for a yacht, a plane, um, a myriad of other things. He says, I wish for... I wish to have exactly the amount of money I need to pay for the things that I need and want in my life. 
And Bill is not a greedy, hoarding kind of guy. Very down-to-earth, very practical. So he's not going to go nuts. And my, your wish is my command. And that is how I happen to have exactly what I need every time I go to pay for something. Now, is that anything along the lines of uh, the philosophy that you are speaking of when you talk about uh, money grows on trees and this aspect of abundance, prosperity, and so forth? Um, let me ask you a question back. Uh Uh-oh. Imagine that I say, oh, I only want the amount of oxygen that I need just to function. Mm -hmm. What would you say? Uh, I guess I, I would, I would actually have to think about that because if I only have the amount of oxygen that I need, then I have what I need to survive. I mean, how, how would I use extra? Where would I put it? Well, when you do allow to breathe deeper, you don't just survive. You also have more vitality. But the thing is, we don't think of oxygen as like, oh, my God, if I breathe more, then others will have less. Because mm-hmm. we know it's like plenty abundant, like just because we're breathing deeply, the oxygen isn't going away anywhere. So I believe abundance is the same. Now, greed is a very different energy, of course. You know, greed is very, very different. But I think people often make the mistake by, you know, by wanting and trying not to be greedy, they also can self-limit. Because that's a belief system, too. Mm-hmm. If I have too much, you know, I'm doing something wrong. If I have too much, there's no like too much. It's just a matter of how much, you know, we're allowing. And if we're doing this in an aligned way, if we're already feeling prosperous, just like oxygen, if we're allowing, allowing ourselves to breathe, then more prosperity just shows up naturally because we're having getting great ideas or we're being productive. You know, we're putting stuff on the on the table that people are interested in. Or it doesn't just have to be from what we're creating. It just flows. Mm-hmm. But we put so many twisted stories onto money, such as the one you mentioned at the beginning of your conversation. Yes, there's a lot of people who equate having a lot of money with happiness. And the two have nothing to do with each other. Mm-hmm. But by the same token, there's a lot of people who equate unhappiness with money as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, I And get- the two has yeah. nothing to do with each other either. Right, right. Because a choice to be prosperous or a choice, a being choice to belong to prosperity is a different choice. A being choice to be one who's happy in life is a totally different choice. So the two can be, you know, coexisting in the same person or it might not. Mm. I, I, know, I know the point in my life where I was like miserable, 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 miserable. And at one point especially when I started understanding this stuff more, I made a being choice to be a happy person. And that was before even the money came in. And once I made that being choice, which is a very deep inner, like almost like on a soul level, cellular level choice to what it is that we're going to belong, the mirror of life immediately begins to show that back to us. Hmm. Well, I will tell you that uh, as I started growing in this business back uh, uh, 40 years ago plus, um, 
I was confronted with a philosophy, a myth, okay, uh, especially by some of my co-workers, even though I hired them, we, we were co-workers. I was their supervisor, but still, we all did the same job. And you'd get the response every once in a while when asking someone to do a task, you guys don't pay me enough to do that. To which I would respond, uh, excuse me, but when we hired you, we gave you the list of, of, the, job of the job description. Yeah. So this is not a surprise, okay? And even more importantly, and a good, my best friend told me this one. Uh, he used this uh, uh, when he was, uh, uh, had, has, had his people that he was supervising. I clean the toilets, okay? And if I, your supervisor, your co-worker can clean the toilets, so can you. This has nothing to do with how much you're being paid. All right? But the philosophy that um, I really had to struggle with was my boss's philosophy at this one station, where he lived by the law of diminishing returns. In other words, don't put out any more than you expect to get back. And I just couldn't do that. I can't even to this day. And a lot of people would tell me, Richard, you, 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 how much are you charging so-and-so to do that production? You're undercharging yourself. You should charge more. Well, I had an awareness of how, how much money these people had. And I thought I would rather get the small amount and do the work and get the experience and make the connection and, the, and so forth than price myself out of the market and get nothing. I wouldn't get any money. I wouldn't get any experience. I wouldn't get an opportunity to work with this person, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, so now I, I certainly charge a whole lot more than I used to 40 years ago. <laughs> but still, some people say I'm still undercharging. And it's like, well, yeah, but I guess it's because uh, I'm not trying to do this for the big people who certainly would have the money to pay $500 an hour or something like that. I still want to help those people who are working their way up, if you will. Um, so how those are those are two interesting mindsets. I think that's really what they are as mindsets uh, that we struggle against, if you will. And that is number one, of course, they don't pay me enough to, to, to do this extra stuff. And number two is the, the law of diminishing returns. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, uh, it's really interesting. The very first one uh, was a big lesson for me, too, because just like your experience, I remember when I first started hiring assistants, uh, assistants in my life, I would ask them how much they wanted to get paid. And then I would give them the exact amount that they chose and, you know, so worthy to get. And then after a while, I'd have the same problem as you're experiencing or, you know, you mentioned experiencing where... Mm -hmm. Okay, we made this agreement. I'm giving you exactly the amount of, you know, money that you asked for. And now I want my goodies and what needs to be done in return in an equal manner. And yeah. I would have problems being able to get it. And I had this pattern maybe two, three times. And then when I was uh, coaching with my mentor, he, you know, really awoke me to something amazing. He goes, you know, when you're hiring people, you have to really watch out. Don't ever hire necessarily the person you like you got to test and see if a person in their mindset is a giver or a taker if a person is a taker do not hire if a person is a giver then do hire 
which means that they have the mindset where they actually want to do something for you. Mm. Those are the givers. And the, because the exchange is the money that they're getting in return. So even when you're doing an interview, from the questions that people ask, you can understand and, and detect if a person is a giver or a taker. Also, this whole understanding of being a giver, where to put something of value, to put something beautiful on the table, to really care about what the other person is receiving, which is, again, the mindset of a giver, I think is extremely, extremely important for success in business. Mm. You know, well, this time around, especially after the COVID and everything, I'm really kind of watching it in America. And it's like, it's really, really surprising me how many companies have kind of, you know, turned into takers where they really kind of, you know, don't mind getting a lot of your money and they're not that interested in giving you the best service, even with just the moving company I had from Hawaii. I mean, it's, it's like, it's crazy what they're charging. They didn't show up for seven days. Oh, geez. You know? So it's a company that's a taker. And, you know, sure enough, when you go to the reviews, they have horrible reviews and probably that limits their success a lot more than what it could actually be because they're not understanding that they're just so in the survival mode that they're takers as a company. Yeah. So that's that's very important. The other thing about the diminishing, you know, returns, I think, you know, my teacher really taught me um, it looks like a tough state of mind to have, but never, never to make another person's problem with money be your problem with money. He was very against helping people in that sense financially. Even when me and my husband, we were so broke, you know, when we first started with him that we were having a hard time paying for rent. I remember, I mean, he was, you know, a billionaire as a businessman and a mentor and a life coach. But, you know, he kind of did that as a on the side, like a hobby. And my husband asked our teacher, our mentor, for $5,000 because we were going to get kicked out of the house. And he is something, you know, he could have easily helped us with, easily given to us. But he said, you know, no, I'm not going to do that. But, hey, I do have a website I need to have done and I, I know you're really really good with websites how about you know you charge me five thousand dollars for this website i know the going rate of a website and then all of a sudden that was the moment my my husband's whole relationship with prosperity changed he didn't help my husband he didn't kind of buy into the victim's story of like oh i don't have can you please you know help me but by providing him a business you know, something that he can do, some value he can put on the table. What happened is Ike's sense of self-worth went up. And with that, his sense of prosperity went up. Mm. So that's that's how I would like to, you know, approach that. I don't think in terms of what we should charge, I, I never think even our customers should decide what we charge. Other people should never tell us what we should charge. That what we charge for something is our own relationship of our own sense of self-worth to the money that we're making. And that can only be a relationship of authority inside our own selves. Because you know what, if I'm too expensive for you, then you know we're not a right match, then you go to somebody else. Mm. You know, so it's more like, and that changes, that changes in time with our consciousness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. 
And, you know, it's like, oh, is something too expensive? Is something too cheap? Well, that's also very relative because $500 is a lot of money for some people and it's absolutely no money for another person. So mm -hmm. whose reality are we talking about? Yeah. Ezra Ogad is my guest. Money Does Grow on Trees is the title of the book. IkeandEzraNow.com is the website. And you're listening to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World where we're giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true here on the program that uh, hopefully gives you some information, some new information that you maybe haven't heard before. Maybe you have, but you kind of say, eh, I'm, well, we're going to bring it to you again, and we hope that you do. I want to ask you, uh, Ezra, um, what about this philosophy? And I'll, I will put it in the category of myth for the moment. Okay. I trust the universe to provide what I need. To uh, I trust the universe. And then there's another one that says, if you uh, do what you love, the money will follow. Mm -hmm. Well, if you do what you love, the money will theoretically flow because you're basically functioning from a higher frequency. When you are doing anything you do in a state of love as opposed to like, oh, I have to, but I don't want to. Yes, theoretically. But again, what belief systems like a computer programming do we have inside of us? If, if as a child, let's say, we've been taught, oh, you can't have money doing what you love, then it's not necessarily going to work because we have a limiting belief system, a limiting programming that we've bought into or that we've created. That's not going to make that journey pan out, let's say, the same way as it would to somebody else. We're a, we're a great believer of doing. I mean, our, I would say the one number one success of our company is like early on, we decided with my husband, no matter what the money was, no matter what the opportunity was, if we loved it, we would do it. If it didn't excite us, no matter what it was, we would say no. Mm -hmm. But again, it's not just that simple because, yes, that is a very right theory, I think, because of how the frequencies work. Mm -hmm. But again, what are the belief systems behind that are in your unconscious mind that are setting up your reality? If, if you've been punished every time you were having fun as a child or if, let's say, you weren't allowed to play um, until you had, you know, you performed perfectly at school, well, then you're going to be walking around with a belief system that's going to, you know, interfere with or limit you from doing what you love. For example, one very common belief system, uh, I don't know how much they have it in the U.S., but in Turkey, it's a very common one. We were always brought up like, oh, you know, artists are always hungry. If you're an artist, you'll never make any money. So if you've, you know, growing up, bought into that and put that into, you know, your basket. Of, of, of your system, if, if you carry that as your programming, then off you go and you're going to be a painter and maybe you're going to be an amazing painter, an amazing artist. Everyone's going to love you, but it's possible that you still have no money. Mm -hmm. I worked with a client like that where she was creating jewelry, a brand, and we started at the very beginning. She's now all over the world. And back then she's like, oh, I don't even know if they're going to understand it. And you know, uh, she combines very high-end jewelry with like concepts of spirituality. Anyway, so we started, she ended up being very successful, but she had like serious uh, limitations around prosperity 
which she kind of chose not to go there or break them because she just wasn't interested in money. So there you go. You have a person that's like worldwide known selling jewelry. I don't know in how many countries and she's still having financial problems. Mm. So also success and wealth don't necessarily go together. Whatever her belief systems around money, she's choosing not to let the prosperity in. So she has high level of success, but limited amounts of money. We're talking with Ezra Agat and uh, money does grow on trees because for the most part, money is made of paper. We'll hope you get that one. And we are going to continue talking with her here on Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And I'm curious about the, um, my father said to me many years ago, many years ago, Richard, find a job you love doing because you're going to be doing it for a long time. Don't get stuck like me. Now, I think this was before he went back to junior college in the 70s, and he got his computer programming degree, where he was able to then transfer to another company because the company he was working for for many years decided they were moving the plant to Utah, and he did not want to move the family to Utah. Um, I don't know if I've lived under a lucky star, uh, if I've got the right um, numbers in my birth date, uh, if if the right cards were pulled, I, I, I honestly don't know. All I know is that I have been very fortunate that I have been in almost every job I have ever had. And I am going to retract that. Every job I have ever had, I have learned something that's taken me to the next level. And broadcasting has been the predominant career. Uh, my very first job, of course, was mowing lawns in the neighborhood. And I actually enjoyed that because there was a satisfaction that I, I felt in, in cutting the grass down. And I could watch the progression of the lawn as it was transformed from this hairy weed infested place to this nice, smooth, almost like a golf course looking thing. And I love doing that. Paperboy. I will tell you that if if that job was still available today and I could make enough money to survive, I'd go back to that because I loved meeting the people that I got to meet. On top of the fact that you kind of got to call your own hours. It was great. Uh, but broadcasting is great fun and doing what, what I'm doing here, talking with you about the ideas you have. But I've been perplexed by, and I use this analogy, the fact that I have this massive toolbox filled with all of these tools and I don't have five or six numbers before the decimal point in my bank account. And there are times when I ask myself, what am I not doing or what am I doing wrong that I, I can't seem to, I mean, I'm having fun. Don't get me wrong. I really enjoy what I do. Oh, that's so obvious. But I would really like to do it and also <laughs> have a little more abundance in the old bank account uh, you know but I also acknowledge the prosperity that comes in from other sources that doesn't look like the green paper with pictures of dead presidents on it okay so help me and others who maybe feel the same way to change our perspective our outlook 
on what we're doing and why we don't feel like we're getting anywhere. And again, I say financially, and that's a specific area financially because all the other areas doing great. And is there a way to flip a switch or turn a valve to open up the floodgates? Because there's this old biblical passage from the New Testament that says, cast your bread upon the water, you know, and it'll come back a thousandfold. It's like, I've been casting for over 40 <laughs> years and I'm still waiting. So am I, am I buying into a myth? Oh, um, like when we say buying into myth, it's like as if there's myths outside of us. I mean, it's very important to realize that with everything, whether it's a relationship, whether it's health, whether it's like youth, whether it's old age, whether it's money, there are decisions that we have made early on about things, beliefs that we have created through, you know, what happened. For example, you had a very great father who told you, you know, no matter what, love what you do, right? Mm -hmm. I was told the opposite, for example. I was told, don't be silly, you know, you can't just do what you love. You, you got to work hard and do whatever is necessary. But very early on, although I was only eight years old hearing this, I very specifically said no to that belief system. And I said, you know, no, I'm not accepting this belief system. My life is not going to be like that. And my life really didn't turn out that way because that's not a choice that I made. So when it comes to prosperity, the question I would ask, and you know, this takes a little bit of introspection. It's not like something bam, 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 we can do here, mm -hmm. but for you to like kind of begin exploring what is your gain in not having more prosperity? Because if you didn't have some sort of a gain that is tied to a belief system, it would already be happening. For me, my biggest awakening, I had the exact same thing happening. Like I worked with Oliver Stone, you know, I wrote certain things. He was like, you know, wow, by what I wrote, da, 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 da. So it's like in every, when I was back in the days when I was, you know, in Hollywood and doing some movie business, film business, I would get like really good feedback from whoever I worked with. So obviously I was, you know, putting on the table something nice, something intelligent, something of value to somebody, but I always was limited when it come, came to finances. With my coach, what I found out is that I had a belief system I made up as a seven-year-old. It's in the book, The Story. Uh, but basically, just watching the grown-ups talk, I'm not going to get into the story. I made a decision, oh, one, one can either have love or money. The two don't go together. And I'm going to choose love. I'm not going to go after the path of money. So I created a belief system as, you know, as if love and money cannot go hand in hand. And that ended up controlling my life till I was 32. Another belief system I had from watching up, uh, growing up watching Turkish movies is like, you know, all the heroes were the, the good guys were the poor people. All the bad guys were always, you know, the rich people that messed everybody else up. So as a little child, watching these movies internally, I made a decision. Oh, I'm not going to be one of the bad guys. I'm going to be one of the good guys. And the requirement for that is to say no to money. So basically, if I were to ask the same question to myself, like my mentor did to me, hey, Estra, what's your gain in not allowing more prosperity? My answer was, well, you know, I'd rather like experience love or I'd rather be in the good people's club. 
you see? Mm. So that was my game. Now, this is all, of course, you know, philosophical until you have an actual experience of it. So one of the exercises that if it's done right, bam, you can get there. And, you know, maybe you should try it. And, you know, if something cool happens, we'll talk again. Yeah. But you basically close your eyes. And what you do is you begin to visualize an extremely prosperous life. Actually, let's just do it now. Imagine, you know, you get up in the morning and you don't even need to work. You only work simply because you know you want to because you're just surrounded with so much prosperity. You can go wherever you want, whenever you want. You can vacation whenever you want. You know, there's just absolutely no limitations. Or oh, you want to buy a car? Yes, you can. You want to help the dolphins? Yes, you can. You want to construct a school? Yes, you can. Or you just want to like, you know, do nothing for 30 days in Hawaii? Yes, you can. Tell me what bothers you in that picture. And that is a question for me, and I would say that, um, quite honestly, nothing bothers me in that picture. Because I would be able to not only have the things and do the things and go the places, but I would also be able to have the wherewithal to help the various organizations that I want to. I wish that when my best friend called me a few years back telling me he was living out of his car, I could have sent him some money to help him out. Um, you know, I would be able to do those kinds of things. Um, I would play around with this exercise a little bit because, mm -hmm. you know, Richard, although you're saying, oh, you know, I, I don't have a problem with this. Trust me, when your eyes were closed, you didn't look super happy <laughs> <laughs> being put into that vision. Oh, but I so, was in contemplation. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's like aspects of it you probably, you know, would. Mm -hmm. What yeah. if I were to say to you, what if I were to say to you, yes, you can have all this money, but the one rule is that you're not allowed to help anyone. What would oh, you wow. say? That would... Uh... Yeah, that would be that would be a problem. Okay. See, and I mean, you know, I yeah. don't want to turn this into a coaching. Sure, sure, sure. I know, no, that's fine. You that's know, fine. because that's not what you asked for. But you see, right there mm -hmm. is the key of what's like lying a little beneath that about what the limitation is. Ah. Like for you, if that helping everybody isn't existing, you know, there's a part of that prosperity coming in that's not okay. What's that not okay? Because that's exactly what the belief system is tied into. Mm. And that's probably what, you know, when you say I cast, I cast, it doesn't come back. What, what I'm saying is, yes, we cast and it does come back if we 100% want it. If there's a part of it, part of us from a belief system of some kind that we're not even aware of that doesn't want it to come back, it won't. And it's not coming back not because anyone's limiting us or because of the economy or because of the tax people. It's not coming out back because of us. Mm. And we, it's very important to discover because when we discover we have the aha and we're like, oh my God, I can't believe it. As we continue talking here with Ezra Ogat, we are going to continue talking about How Money Does Grow on Trees. Title of the book, IkeandEzraNow.com is the website. And you are listening to Tell Me Your Story. 
New Paradigms for a New World is our focus, and we're trying to give you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And don't worry, Ezra, I consider this program, this podcast, broadcast, uh, videocast, my therapy. Okay? <laughs> so it's okay if we do a little session on the side. You know, I got no problem with that. And quite honestly, uh, I've always taken this perspective. Uh, I worked for 15 years for a Christian radio station. And um, that's where I learned about the law of diminishing returns and about, ah, you don't pay me enough to. Uh, and one of the things that um, has been so fascinating for me in all of this is the fact that in spite of all of the stress that I have put myself through over the years in being in debt at different times. Well, uh, I'll be honest with you, the majority of my life. But <laughs> the fact is, in spite of all of the fear that I have experienced up until the, I'm going to say the last 10 or 15 years. Okay. Cause now I don't, I don't think it's just numbers. Okay. It's just numbers. And I'm not going to get stressed out over that because I'm still here. I'm alive. I'm working. I'm I'm uh, uh, productive. Uh, I'm earning and so on and so on and so on and so on. But it used to be that I was so afraid, so scared of the phone calls until I learned through a process, and this is more of a practical thing, that all of the creditors that I had to deal with over the last uh, 40 years, let's just say, okay, they lose nothing if I default. They have insurance, just like I have insurance on my truck, on my personal belongings, renter's insurance, on my health. They have insurance on the fiat money that they're lending me. They don't have $5,000 in a vault somewhere that they give me every time I borrow on that card. That doesn't exist. The only time it exists is when I send them a payment. Now they have real money, but they have insurance to cover those losses. So I'm not saying that I'm going to default. I'm just saying that that diminished the stress that I had, mm. that I can be responsible but also aware of how the game is played, what the rules are. But there's another aspect of this I want to talk to you about, and that is on a grand scale, on a universal level, more spiritual and or metaphysical. The one law of the universe regarding abundance, prosperity, money, is that there is a giver and a receiver. There cannot be one without the other. And that the law of the universe is there is always an exchange. But it may not appear the way you expect. Mm -hmm. Talk to us about that. Mm -hmm. um, I, I agree with that in essence, but... But I think, but I think it's very, I mean, I have seen that whatever I have like given in the world, even if like, let's say this person, you know, didn't give back or didn't give me what I was owed or this or that in another way, in another direction, it came through. For example, I'll give you an example. Um, when our publisher died, our very first publisher, he was also a very dear friend. Uh, his company was taken over by these other people and we were owed a lot of money 
that we had actually left behind to the publisher for a while to help his business. So, you know, basically forget about not being paid. We actually allowed him not to pay us so that he could, you know, grow his company even more. So there we are doing something super nice. And then because he dies, <laughs> other people take over. Basically, we didn't, you know, see a dime from, from some of our books. But because I believe in the principle you're talking about so much, instead of like stressing about it and, you know, going after it in a legal way, which is like such a headache, you know, mm -hmm. it's just not nice energy for anyone. I just, you know, sat down and I meditated and I say, you know, universe, I know that this money belongs to me. I know that I gave it, you know, for a good purpose. And even if I hadn't helped, <laughs> again, it belonged to me. And so I said, you know, I trust this will come another way. And sure enough, about three months later, another publisher, a rather big publisher uh, in Turkey approached us and they usually never do this in Turkey, but they decided to like upfront give us money in order to sign up with them and not with another publishing company. Mm -hmm. Right. And the amount they asked, they, you know, we didn't even ask for it. They already had decided the amount they were willing to give what was the exact dollar amount that we lost in the other deal exactly not one dollar more not one dollar less talk about synchronicity talk about synchronicity yeah so does that exist yes but at the same time it's very very important in relationships especially business relationships or any kind of relationships uh to make sure that we're protecting our garden and to make sure maybe what your friend was uh, or I can't remember who you said was saying that, but, you know, don't give more than you can get kind of a deal, because when there's not a balance, an equal balance of giving and taking, it immediately drops our frequency. It's very, very important for us to protect our garden, to protect our boundaries mm -hmm. and make sure that what we're giving and what we're feeling we're receiving in return is is equal otherwise all it does is drop our frequency and that's not good for anyone on the planet mm. and true givers true true givers are themselves have that down when you are in that perfect flow of giving and receiving being the same and you can manage that very well that's when you're a true giver mm. ezra uh fascinating Money does grow on trees. I'm Richard Dugan. This is Tell Me Your Story. Ezra Agat is my guest, along with her husband. Uh, she has a website. Uh, they have a website. And it happens to be IkeAndEzra.com. And we certainly hope that you are going to spend some time at IkeAndEzraNow.com. That's the website. We hope that you'll go there. By the way, Ezra, we will be linked to your website so people can go there while they're listening or watching these interviews. And uh, speaking of which, they are able to be listened to. Podcasts are on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and many other locations. We're also on YouTube where you can watch these interviews. The YouTube channel, Tell Me Your Story. Just look for the guy with the black hat. I hope that you will do that. And uh, also, we encourage you to listen to these programs on this fine radio station. Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., Wednesday mornings at 9 a.m. for the special edition of Tell Me Your Story. I really hope that you uh, will uh, avail yourselves of that to, uh, to find out more about what we are doing. 
We're trying to change the world one interview at a time, one person at a time, and the change starts with me. Uh, that's where it has to start. Um, and so I'm going to do what I can. And uh, I'm going to take to heart what you said earlier in our little coaching session <laughs> <laughs> to, to uh, bring that about. Yeah, Richard, please give that some thought. Do that exercise like a little longer than we did and yes. see like what bothers you. And remember, you're not allowed to help theoretically in this reality. I will keep <laughs> I will keep that in mind. I, I, I know that the, the one thought that I've had in terms of uh, um, an abundant, <clears throat> uh, uh, continually flowing, if you will, bank account if, in this context is um, the ability to go where, when, go where I want to go. Um, take the wife to uh, dinner or uh, what a show or what have you without even having to think about whether or not I've got enough because I just know there's more than enough in there. Don't worry about it. You're not going nuts. You're not, you know, putting in gold-plated faucets or things of this nature. I, I don't want them anyway. It's not something I'm interested in. <laughs> but, um, you know, maybe uh, we only have one vehicle right now. I want to get her another. I want to get her a vehicle. And I can do that because I know that there's enough in there to take care of that. Not a problem. Uh, and, and, and so forth and so on. So those are the kinds of things that, uh, that I know a lot of people think about. And they get stuck a lot of the times. So before we wrap things up here, I want to ask you about that. What is the one, if there is one, one sticking point, one barrier, if you will, to an individual's, how do we put this, prosperity or, a, or bringing abundance into one's life, whether it's a bank account or otherwise, um, what would you say is the one element? Barrier, yeah. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the same thing. It's, it's like, this is, I think, the starting point. It's an essential starting point for anyone struggling with this subject. Asking the self the question, why am I choosing to limit myself in this subject? Finding the why of that is super important. The second very important thing is to get out of the spender's law, meaning spending more money than you're actually receiving or living in debt. It is a must, 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 must step towards prosperity to get out of the debt psychology. Very important. We cannot at the same time be in a debt state of mind and in a prosperity state of mind simultaneously. And the third thing I would say is a lot of my reality I created by kind of speaking it on a daily basis. You know, when I was living in a very small house, 400 square feet uh, with a very, very, you know, small rent, I remember the days that I would say, oh, you know, I'm so grateful I'm living in a really beautiful house. I'm so grateful I have a pool in the backyard. And I even remember saying, oh, I'm so grateful the pool is right away, you know, right one, two steps from the bedroom. So speaking the reality you would like to experience, just like a child playing a game, until you feel, you talk yourself into that reality, you talk yourself into those feelings before it's even happened, like kind of like telling yourself a fairy tale, constantly using the word grateful, I'm grateful for that I have this and I'm grateful for that this has happened and I'm grateful for is extremely, extremely powerful because at the end of the day, we are the universe individualized. 
in actuality with no limitations than the ones that we choose to put on ourselves. Mm. So those are the three things I would say. Ah, fourth thing, fourth thing is it's a very powerful question, but it can be missed unless there's proper coaching beforehand. So mm -hmm. I don't know how it's going to be received just like, you know, quick, quick, quick. But if you do, if you can see yourself as this entire universal intelligence individualized in this body, a very powerful question to ask is, who would I be being if I were already prosperous? Who would I be being? Hmm. That's a very interesting, very interesting thought mm -hmm. to ponder. Mm -hmm. Who would I be being if I were prosperous? Wow. I know that a lot of people also are afraid to be prosperous because they're afraid that the prosperity will turn them into someone that they don't want to be. Like the example you spoke of, of the good guys and the bad guys in the movies. Yes. And I, I, you know, and I sit here, I have to say that in my career, I have seen a lot of individuals in, our, in, in my business, we all have big egos. But I do my best to try to stay humble and recognize that I didn't get here to this place talking with you, Ezra. I didn't do this all by myself. I had thousands of people help me to get here. I didn't do this on my own. We don't get where we are on our own. You know, there are hundreds or thousands of people uh, along our path. Starts with our family, starts with our parents bringing us into this world. And, and, and then it progresses and grows from there. So I'm very grateful to all of those people, uh, seen and unseen, you know, uh, who, who have uh, contributed to my success. By the way, that's one other thing I wanted to ask you about. When I go out to do a, a project for someone, I don't take it on in order to be successful. I take it on to make that person, because usually it is an individual that I'm working for, to make them successful. Because if they're successful, then I'm successful. So, I, you know, again, trying to maintain that, that center of not just humility, but the, the reality that they're giving me this opportunity. Yes, there's an exchange. They're going to pay me for the work I'm doing. But I get the experience. Uh, when I do audible books, for example, I get, to, I get to read a book that I would not have ordinarily read. And produce and so on and so forth. So that's, for me, that's part of the being grateful as I go mm -hmm. through my life. Yeah, well, it sounds like with everything you do, you're a giver, which is wonderful. Yeah. You know, it really is where like your first automatic instinct is what is it that you're giving rather than what you're taking, knowing that the taking will come, you know, will come. Right. Following what it is that you're giving, which is just a wonderful, wonderful way to go. But yes, that belief system you were talking about, many people have. Actually, there was a client in our certification program where when we were doing the coaching to her, her big aha moment, I mean, you know, she was making maybe, I don't know, two, three thousand dollars a month. And, you know, she was kind of trying to survive with that. Um, and in the coaching, she figured out her belief system. 
which is she remembered being a seven-year-old and her parents, you know, she's in the car with her parents. Her parents are talking about a friend of theirs that won the lottery or something. Like he just got a big bulk of money out of nowhere type of a situation. Mm -hmm. And the conversation is, let's say his name is Tom. They're saying, look at Tom, you know, he got the money and now he's totally lost it. Like he's leaving his wife and he's like, you know, going off with younger girls and he, he's not even like saying hi to his old, you know, old friends. Oh, oh, he's lost it. He's lost it. So there she is as an eight year old, exactly deciding that belief system. Oh, if I have a lot of money, I will kind of, you know, lose it. I'll, I'll lose self-control. Now, when we think about it, like we, you know, started the whole conversation of this money being actually, it's just a piece of paper. Mm -hmm. So the question is, how can a piece of paper at all have the power to change us unless we're the one endowing that piece of paper with power mm -hmm. by believing what we believe? And I really don't believe, and I haven't seen it in my career, you know, with people who weren't so prosperous and then did become prosperous over time, like this girl, once she figured out her belief system and she could say, oh, I don't have to be like this man. I don't have to buy into this myth that my parents were talking about in regards, you know, to this man. I'm not going to go crazy. I'm still going to be me even when I'm prosperous. Well, now three years down the line, she's about to sign a $10 million contract in three years wow. by just overcoming that silly, silly, you know, myth that had her being controlled in regards to money all this time. So I, I, I don't see that money changes us, mm -hmm. uh, but, but it does do this. Money does amplify who we are. Mm. So if you're already a generous person, when you have way more money, you just become more generous. Yeah. If you're already like a taker and you want to, you know, whatever, do yeah. this and that to another person because of your belief systems, when you have money, you just have more power to do that. If you're a person who gets into debt all the time, right? Mm -hmm. Well, when you get into debt with a thousand dollars, it's no big deal, you know, but when you're making $21 million per whatever movie, and then you get into debt, you're in debt for 21 million dollars so then you get talked about all over the news you know so you're still the same person except you know the money has amplified you to be who you are on a bigger scale yeah that's all it can do yeah we're talking with ezra agat and we're talking about her book uh, along with uh, her husband who is um ike ike and ezra now.com is the website the book Money does grow on trees. Uh, I always found that phrase. I've always loved coming across these these little phrases and um, old wives' tales or wise sayings and so forth uh, that I find um, basically are lies. Um, <clears throat> one of them was, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Not true. Because uh, true. <laughs> words with the right intention can do a lot of harm or they can do a lot of good. Um, and when it comes to uh, you can't change other people, a lie. You can. You don't do it intentionally. But by virtue of changing yourself, by virtue of learning who you are, who you really are, that means going within. I'll tell you about that in a minute. Um, you change the people around you because there are going to be those who are going to want to get closer to what it is that you are, who you are and, and, and how you are. Then there are going to be others who are going, 
I want no part of that. Nuh-uh, no, get, get me the heck out of here. And they're out of Dodge in a hurry. And so you've changed them in that respect. But we don't do it in a conscious way. We don't change ourselves in order to change other people. We change ourselves to change ourselves, to transform, to raise our consciousness, uh, and so forth. To be better today than we were yesterday. There's nothing wrong with who we were yesterday. It's just, as they say, there's always room for improvement. And uh, that's kind of where we're coming from. This is Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan along with uh, Ezra Agat. And um, I want to thank you so much for being with us here on the program. This is fascinating. And yes, we do want to have you back on the program to oh, continue this conversation. I think then I'll a, get into coaching you. <laughs> I th- I, hey, I am open to that. I, I am open to that. I seriously am because I, can, I, 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 I say this somewhat facetiously, but almost truly too. I can use all the help I can get. (laughs) We all can. (laughs) But I thank you so much for being with us. Oh, Richard, Richard, before you go, I'm so sorry. Like, it's been on my mind to say, and then we get into the conversation, I get sidetracked. Go ahead. Um, You you mentioned something about a podcast with my husband at the beginning. Uh, We don't have a podcast just yet. Oh, okay. I don't know. Like, yeah, so that information, I just want to let the listeners know, just in case. I don't know who the unique one is. Well, you are on a podcast now. It's called Tell Me Your Story. It's on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and uh, so um, uh, there is some truth to that, but it's not your own. I understand that. Oh, okay, okay. But, I, but, I wasn't sure yet what you were referring to. Right. Sorry. But we do, uh, we do um, uh, want to, again, thank you. But before we, I have three final questions. I ask three. all of, three, that I ask all of my guests at the end of the program. Uh, and before I ask you those three questions, I need to say to you, the listener and the viewer, Thank you for watching and listening to Tell Me Your Story. New paradigms for a new world as we are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., Wednesday mornings at 9 a.m. for the special edition of Tell Me Your Story. We're podcasting at SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Amazon Music, as well as iHeartRadio. And we are also on YouTube where you can watch these interviews on the Tell Me Your Story channel. And we hope that you'll subscribe to either or both the podcast and the video cast. And um, we also ask that if uh, you are led to do so and you want to support the work that we're doing, you want to be a part of what we are doing with this program by bringing these new ideas, these as I say, choices and knowledge of those choices, and you'd like to support us financially, we would be very grateful. We have a PayPal account for your security as well as ours. Any amount is welcome. All you have to do is go and say, I want to send X number of dollars to, and my email address, richard at richarddugan.com. And one area we did not get into, and this is one of the reasons we're going to have you back, We hope that you folks will participate in the Decade of Perfect Vision, the 2020s, where we encourage you to go within, to spend time in that quiet, still, calm, peaceful place where you can listen to and hear that still, small voice giving you the guidance and the instruction, the encouragement uh, that only for you it is given. That information is for you and you alone. 
and to get to know who you really are deep down inside. Yes, both the shadow and the light side, because it is all of that that makes up who you are. And you it's so important. And it's yeah, it can be a little scary to do that, to get to know the shadow side, to become aware of some of the the darker aspects of who we are. But I tell you what, once you've done it, you don't have to go back and do it again. You're <laughs> sort of you're sort of free from that particular thing. But it's so important. It really is, folks. So I hope that you will do that. And with all of that being said, now we go to our guest, the author of Money Does Grow on Trees. And question one of the three, who is Ezra Agat? The universe individualized, having an experience in the here and now with some perfection and some limitation. What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you are doing now? Oh, for people to wake up to how incredibly powerful and amazing each and every one of us is. And finally, what is your life's purpose? My life's purpose is to discover myself out of the limitations and remember who I really am. And with that, again, we thank you for giving us so much time sharing the work that you are doing at the website IkeAndEzraNow.com. And And, uh, we do look forward to having you back again to continue this conversation to talk about, especially to talk about the role of our intuition when it Mm. comes to our prosperity. So thank you so much. Can't wait. Richard, thank you so much. You've been such a great host. It was an absolute pleasure and just so much fun talking to you. Can't wait to do it again. Uh, Same here. And I thank you for listening and watching. Tell me your story, New Paradigms for a New World. We are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, love to lol.